Hi, I'm James Fratsky, the head of client success at Fratsky Media. We are a digital marketing consultancy based here in Orange County, California. And this is the From the Heart podcast with Ed Hart. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. This will be a fun, fun experiment for me today. James, uh, as you just met, hosts a podcast as well. And we've agreed that this week, so today being Monday, that we're, air, or we're recording this and probably posting it today as well. Um, I'm interviewing James, and then later this week, he's going to interview me for his podcast. So this will be fun. I, I, I didn't come into this one ready to interview him, and I actually am very excited to, to do it this way. So, so James, it's good to see you this morning. Always a pleasure to see you, Ed. And uh, you and I have, uh, we've talked for hours before uh, yeah. without recording, so this yeah. shouldn't be a problem for us. <laughs> no, I don't think we're going to run out of things to talk about. And uh, we were, James and I were just talking right before we hit record on here that oftentimes we will interview, James has a podcast as well, and we're going to talk about that, obviously, and it's alluded to it, we're going to talk about it here momentarily. But I'll typically have a, uh, a um, fact-finding mission phone call or just an investigative conversation with a potential guest or a guest before we schedule. And I've found in, uh, in many cases that conversation, it doesn't go better necessarily, but when I actually record the podcast, I, I try to recreate some of the conversations that we've had and it never works to do it that way. So this will be fun because this is sort of that fact finding. You get to see how the sausage is made today if you're watching or listening <laughs> to this podcast. This is that fact finding conversation. So, so James, just I'm going to lead with some of the obvious things and then we'll just dive into some things that might be less obvious. And I don't know how you feel, but with this whole Zoom platform that we're on or whatever platform people are using, if I look at you, then it looks like I'm not looking at you. And if I look at the little <laughs> white dot on my laptop, I'm not looking at you, but you think I am. So I'm, my right. eyes are going to kind of go back and forth because I'm very much a visual and a, and a nonverbal communicator as well. And I get more from what I see in people necessarily than what I hear. Um, so forgive me if it looks like I'm not looking at you when I really am, like right now, for example. Well, you know what, Ed? I would never would have said anything, so I appreciate you. I just, uh, I'm, not, I'm the guy that points out the obvious, right? And then we get it, you know, just so people know, okay, I get it. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think the funny thing with this whole Zoom, right, this digitization, this working from home, the, the interpersonal communication now being done through a lens on a, a camera and being able to see each other, you know, it's brought up all kinds of interesting kind of social questions, right? So oftentimes, like you just said, you're like, where do I look at this thing? Yeah. I want the person to feel like I'm making eye contact. You're also looking at, your, at yourself a lot, you know, a lot more than you usually get to because you yeah. don't typically talk to people with a mirror in front of you. Yeah, I don't you. see myself here and you here like I'm looking at right yeah. now. Sometimes so I'll you're like speaker view, so I just see you. Right. I really ought to do that, so... In fact, I'm going to do that right now. So we're going to just experiment around a little bit. So right now you'll see me, I'll see me up in the top right-hand corner. People would rather look at you anyway. So you're a much better <laughs> looking person than I am. So, well, I would like Thank to just, you. you know, the, 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 the one obvious right now, for those that know uh, Fratsky Media, um, James, you work with your twin brother, Ryan. Yes. Uh, I'd like to, since I run the Center for Family Business at Cal State Fullerton, and my the most fascinating conversations for me typically if it's not Dodger baseball or Laker basketball or USC football, since there's nothing to talk about on those folks right now, <laughs> or Tiger Woods golf, which there's a little bit to talk about. My, my most interesting conversations for me to have anyway are about family business. And um, yeah. you work with your twins. So let's just go right to the, the obvious. What's it like to work with someone that you've literally known every second of your life? Good question. You know, we have a bunch of quirky twin jokes. So we, we talk about we used to be roommates. And before that, we were womb mates, you know. <laughs> nice. um, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, Drum roll. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bunch more. So just uh, strap in. But, but, you know, um, it's, it's interesting. You have a partner who, to your point, Ed, we've, uh, we've known each other our entire lives. So we know each other's strengths. We know each other's weaknesses. Um, and we complement those. And I think that's the important thing is, is to be able to kind of complement each other, to know what each other's strengths are and go from there. So kind of from the organizational standpoint of Fratic Media, how do we operate? Ryan is head of sales and marketing. I'm head of client success. And then to make things just a little bit more interesting and to bring in that client dynamic, my wife actually also uh, works with us as well, and she's head of client strategy. So imagine that dynamic, right? You're, uh, you're trying to balance your relationship with your brother and your wife and the dynamic of the three. But I think what's been really helpful for us is carving out 
our lanes. And, sure. you know, when we started the business, everyone was kind of wearing multiple hats. Um, and there's this book called The E-Myth. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. I've never but, read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, the whole idea is, is like you have to carve out very specific roles and responsibilities so that not everybody's taking out the trash, not everybody's flipping the burgers, right? right. And that's yeah. a little bit of a different example. We're a digital marketing mm -hmm. consultancy, so we're not quite doing those things. But sure. um, ever since we kind of got into that mindset of these are Ryan's things and these are James's things and these are Lisa's things, wow, it has just opened Checking up yeah. Yeah, the possibilities. How do you handle differences of opinion. I mean, I know you have your lane and you stay in your lane and Ryan probably doesn't make a whole lot of decisions in your lane and vice versa or Lisa's, but there are organizational and strategic things that cross all three and into other areas as well. Walk me yeah. through that process of um, maybe give me an example. Has there been a difficult organizational decision that really has crossed all three of you or maybe perhaps you and Ryan as the business owners, right? Is Lisa an owner as well yeah. or? Okay. So, how do, you, yeah. how do you settle on those things? How do you break the tie? How do you decide is it, if we're not unanimous, we don't do it? I know some partnerships that are that way. You know, we explored that at the beginning, the, the we have to get unanimous on something. And that was always really tough, you know, because if you do have a difference of opinion, yeah. it's like, okay, well, what's the tiebreaker? How do you determine, you know, how are we going to move forward? Yeah. And so I think now that we've transitioned about a year and a half ago to the structure of everybody's in their own lane, we ultimately let that decision, if it has to do with sales and marketing, that decision falls on Ryan, right? right? Yeah. So I'm allowed to weigh in and give my perspective or share my opinion, but I have to trust him. And I think that's the key is having that trust yeah. between uh, each other of saying, okay, I might have done it differently or I might want to do it differently or I might feel really strongly about this, but I have to trust uh, that he's going to be able to execute and I need to take a step back. And that's yeah. the tough part is, sure. you know, you feel like I have so much to give, I, I can help or I yeah, can do you this. You definitely or overlap in your talents for sure. I mean, I've seen yeah. it in our meetings and conversations, you know, as we've known each other, there's a, certainly a different strengths as you talked about, but yeah, that overlap right. has got to be the difficult times. You know, at times it's great that you share it, but at the same time, it's like, well, I have an opinion on that too, even though that's technically <laughs> not my role. Right. And I'm good at sharing my opinion, uh, Ed. <laughs> and Ryan would be the first person to tell you that, although I have similar feedback about him. So, uh, you know, as it, it, we have that, yeah. Well, maybe do we a that. take on my laptop here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a brother dynamic, sure. you know, and we, then we mix that with business. And mm -hmm. a lot of it is very fruitful. Some of it can be very frustrating at times, but you know, it's that growth and just transforming and, yeah. and, and going through the journey one step at a time. Well, it's unique too in your situation. I think of Jenny and Katie over at McKenzie Corporation as well, who I know you know, also yeah. twins. Um, and so it's not uncommon for like a husband and wife. My wife and I have a family business. It's not uncommon for brothers or father, son, mother, daughter. Um, but in your case and in Jenny and Katie's case, you literally, like you said, were roommates before you became roommates and you've known each other literally every second of your lives. So you definitely know each other better than probably even most family business partnerships do. So I'm sure that that, right. that contributes to a lot of the, maybe some of the, the, the differences of opinion, but also for the most part, probably really supports the, the decision-making. Now I, I'm not a twin, so I can't even speak to this, but you hear twin stories. Uh, the woman I was talking to you about earlier before we hit record who had twins and unfortunately um, one of her twins passed, you know, two or six weeks or so after death. I asked her if, if her twin Ben, who is, is, you know, 13 years old now has those twin moments, you know, where you mm. feel your twin or, you know, you always hear about, you know, Ryan stubs his toe and you feel it type of stuff. Right. Have you guys had those types of experiences uh, growing up and then also have you had those experiences that have tied into the business at all? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, Ryan's joke that he likes to use when people say that, like, oh, does he feel pain when you feel pain? He says, well, I'll just slap him upside the head and I'll let you know. If oh, I'm I know. Feeling yeah. pain, right? <laughs> I like that. There you um, go. Which is pretty good, right? So to your yeah, stubbing toe thing there. But, yeah. um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the, the other popular question that we get as twins is like, okay, can you, you read each other's minds or yeah. telepathy or anything like that, right? And in school, that's the next question I'm probably going to Yeah, yeah, that always comes up too. Yeah. We never switched in school because we just were afraid of the consequences. But yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess, but um, 
No, I mean, we don't read each other's minds, but when you, I mean, it's all body language, right? So when you spend so much time with somebody uh, and seeing how they talk to people, how they interact with people. So sometimes Ryan and I will just give each other a look and we'll both know, okay, that means this mm -hmm. or a certain uh, nudge of the head and that means something else, right? And so sometimes we are in situations with folks uh, where we might be at a networking event or something like that and something happens subtly <laughs> and, and we both kind of go into the same direction or we go, okay, well, it's time to go or something like that. And they go, what just happened there? Yeah. Something happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, th and they'll call it out. And so that's that kind of, uh, no, it's not happening supernaturally, but you do, you kind of pick up on people's no. how, you know, how they think. So kind of relating that back to the business, you know, we'll be on calls or we'll be uh, pitching potential clients or things like that. And we'll be in the room together and we'll kind of know, He'll give me a look like, okay, it's, I, I have a good idea. I'm going to take it in this direction. Mm -hmm. I need you to just stop talking and let me go. Or, or uh, I'll give him a look like, okay, hey, let me fill in that blank there. Like you, what you said was 95% of the way there. Let me get it the extra 5%. And we're able just to kind of look at each other. So from that perspective, it has been really helpful um, being in some of these meetings together. Sure. Because you get this kind of a instant feedback, how often you get to walk out of a meeting or, or a presentation and have somebody that you trust unconditionally say, okay, this was great. This was great. This was great. You still need to work on this thing. So that's been really positive. But then the other thing is, is how often are you in a meeting and you have a partner there that gets you so completely that they can help kind of fill in the blanks. So yeah. that's been really great. Yeah. If I had an identical twin, I know me well enough to know that we'd be pulling pranks on people all the time. So I'd yeah. be a little afraid of the consequences, but I can just, I'm, I'm picturing being <laughs> at like a, at a mixer or something and walking in with my wife and saying, yeah, this is my wife, Lorianne. And then, you know, him walking in and people not knowing we're twins and walking yeah. in with his wife. I just see there's all kinds of fun things you could do there. So, yeah. all right, well, I won't harp too much on the twin conversation. <laughs> I know that, you know, I'm sure you guys have gotten that your entire lives. Um, you went to yeah. Cal State Fullerton. Where'd you grow up? Where'd yes. you go to high school? Yeah, good question. So it's kind of a tale of two cities. So we, we originally started here in Orange County, La Mirada, Fullerton, kind of in and around that area. Um, and then we moved out to like the Menifee, Temecula, Marietta area, kind of middle school into high school. Yeah. And so what was really nice about that is it was, uh, it made things so clear of where we really wanted to be when we decided that we, we wanted a, to go yeah, to college, you know? Yeah. So you had the two examples. So second we graduated, it was pretty easy for us to say, well, let's go back to Orange County. Um, and so, but you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting time growing up. We, we, we brought some friends out there recently and, um, and you know, you talk about where you, you're from and you know, it, to you it's normal. Mm -hmm. And we were driving down a road called Bundy Canyon and it's kind of just this windy road out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. 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 And, um, and our friend turned to us and was like, man, you guys really do live out in the middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and to you, you know, that like, okay, well, that was just normal, right? We right. spent so much time out there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think once we kind of got that taste of Orange County and our grandparents still lived out that way and things like that. So it was kind of like, oh, let's kind of migrate back to the homeland in sure. such a way. So did you guys both agree on Cal State Fullerton or did either one of you look at maybe going, I mean, you're together from the beginning. Was there a discussion of I might go to UCI and you'll go to Cal State or was it yeah. just always we're going to stick together? You know what? It was one of those things where uh, a lot of our life as partners is, is kind of serendipitous in a way of like one kind of leads the way one time and the other one follows and then one leads the way the other time and the other one follows. So as far as like getting back down to Orange County, it was, it was pretty unanimous in that we wanted to work at Disney. And so you weren't going to do that from Marietta. Right. Um, so you had to be down in Orange County to do that. Um, and then we wanted to go to school down this way. Now to, to be fair, we actually started at Fullerton JC and spent okay. a few years there so did and I. then transitioned uh, over to Cal State Fullerton for our last two years. So, um, you know, I think for us, it was something of high school kind of happened and it was a blur and, you mm -hmm. know, it started and it finished. We were never the uh, academic scholars. We didn't play on the, uh, the football team. We, you know, we just kind of floated through. We, under we the eventually, radar a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of under the radar. And so for us, it was like, okay, well, this is the next step. 
Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks, oh, they have that dream college that they were going to go to or something like that. And that, that wasn't really us. So it was like, okay, well, let's just do Fullerton. We could have done a, a, a community college up where we were, but that felt like an extension of you yeah. know, yeah. high school. And that didn't right. seem like that much fun. So, um, so yeah, so we kind of followed each other and then we went to go work at Disney and we kind of followed each other there. And then we got promotions at Disney and we kind of brought each other with each other. And then, um, you know, eventually after graduating and starting at a company called Brandify, which is this digital technology company we both worked at for four years as strategic consultants, um, I got hired there first. And then the CEO after a few weeks, because that was kind of where we were like, okay, let's kind of do our own thing, yeah. you know. Um, he said, man, I, you, you know, we really like what you're putting out there and we want to hire somebody else. And we're kind of, we want to hire someone like you. Do you know anyone <laughs> like you? Hmm, let me think about this for a minute. Yeah. Oh, and it was, it was, I didn't even miss a beat. It was like, I know someone just like me. Um, and so, yeah, so Ryan came in and, and he thought he was getting interviewed. HR handed him paperwork and said, you want, if you want the job, it's yours. And you've already technically um, interviewed if you're anything like James. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And so then we did that together. And so, yeah, I mean, our parents always told us that uh, eventually we'd have to split up. And uh, I, I think we started to feel that after kind of starting our careers and things like that. So we said, well, let's just start a business together. There you go. Yeah, that's split yeah. up, right? You split up by having <laughs> split responsibilities, but you're right. still. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I think, and you guys do, you, you work well together. And, you know, we've sat in meetings together, you know, just getting to know each other and some business meetings as well. And I've definitely been able to see I haven't seen many weaknesses at all, but I've certainly seen your strengths and his strengths you know, come out in, in, in spades. Right. So that's, that's awesome. I know he just did a workshop for us last week for the Center for Family Business. And, and uh, you know, he talks as positively about you as you do about him. And that doesn't surprise you because you guys know each other so well. <laughs> that's good to hear, though, Ed. You know, oh, yeah. it really sucks. <laughs> yeah, he's not bashing you. Don't worry. You know, it's not when we're recording anyway. You know, when I right. hit pause, it's a whole different story. Right. <laughs> um, Tell me about the books that are over your shoulder. Oh yeah, um, I, I'm an avid I reader. Read them from here, but yeah, I am too. You can yeah. see them here, but yeah. yeah. So we got. Um, I'll grab them real quick. Okay, cool. Kind of show you. So we got uh, Rand Fishkin, Lost and Founder. Rand is kind of one of the uh, pivotal people in SEO, search engine optimization. Um, everybody in the industry knows who this guy is, and so uh, he's been on our podcast a few times. Sent us some books. It's actually a great read if you're in digital marketing and you're like thinking about starting Lost a company. Founder. That's good. Yeah. All right. I know you'll like this one. Uh, and look, I probably have it behind me too. Uh, there dare to lead. Brene. Brene Brene's right on the other side. I love it. Yeah. You know, so that's a great one. Uh, Brene has just taught too. me so much. Yeah. Great she's new like podcast Brene, too. She's one of probably both of our dream guests. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She has taught me so much about vulnerability mm-hmm. um, and how to communicate with people. And so dare to lead is really nice because it takes that personal element and then relates it back to business yeah. so i think that that's pretty special i'm just gonna netflix, keep raffling through these her netflix special too is just amazing on on vulnerability and oh, i'll tell I'm you a fun st- yeah go I ahead know where you're going but go ahead people watching well, this don't know but i think i do I, I was gonna say i'll tell you a fun story about that my wife and i lisa actually went to that uh special i think they taped it at ucla and um and yeah, we didn't know what it was for. We just knew that Brene was speaking and that they were taping it. And so we went. And then a few months later, it was on uh, Netflix. Now, where we were at, we didn't feel like we would be on camera. And I'm usually pretty good about knowing where the cameras are. So sure. I could kind of, you know. Yeah, in um, you, sure. Yeah. And so, so we didn't really think much of it when it came out. Uh, we loved the talk. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we thought very highly about that. But we didn't think, oh, we're going to be on it. And then, yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, our inbox just kind of filled up. All of our friends were like, oh, my gosh, there you are. I saw you on there. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we popped up at the 54-minute mark. So hey, uh, you know. I'm going to write a little note to myself right here. <laughs> I'll just put 54 minutes. Very cool. Yeah, and, it, and it's a second. We're on there for a second, and both Lisa and I have these very serious, thoughtful faces that when someone's sharing information that we're, like, really taking in. So I don't know. You might see it and go, man, they look mad. But just so you know, if anyone thought. goes and checks it out. Yeah, we're yeah. in deep thought. So. There you go. Cool. Um, All right. I could ask you some questions about that, but let's keep going. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, this is Bob Iger's book, uh, The Ride of a Lifetime. Pretty great. Really enjoyed that. I him on, guy, um, so. I think, Tim Ferriss not long ago. Yes. And that was such a, so yeah, if people want to, to hear somebody who we kind of put up on a pedestal, Bob Iger, the CEO of 
of Disney. Right. Um, and then you want to come back to reality and just remember that we're all human. That's such a great interview on the Tim Ferriss podcast because uh, he's just so down to earth. He's, he does things that we do, right? He's like, oh, I love pizza. So I just email myself yeah. different pizza places. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I love so that. that was one of those stories that stuck with me as well. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm allergic to dairy, so I can't eat as much pizza anymore. I say as much. I'll still have a slice every now and then because I love pizza. But yeah, I was right. very intrigued by that story as well. Yeah. And then I'll just finish with this one. I'm yeah, sure you read this too, but you got good to great. Right, Jim, Jim Collins. Collins. Yeah, of course. Classic. So yep. this big thick one back here is Churchill. It's a, a, a biography on Churchill and that's a Lisa book. I, I, that's, it's too okay. dense for me to consume, but yeah. she's ripping through that thing like nobody's business. So. Yeah. Books are a big part of my life too. I, um, I like to write. I've written a couple. I've written um, one fiction book about baseball because that's like my big mm. passion. And then I also wrote a, a biography about a major league baseball scout. One of the most, probably the, actually the most prolific baseball scout of all time when it comes to number of amateur athletes that he signed that made it to the major leagues. I think the second highest number for any scouts, like 45 players and he had 75 or 76 make it to the big leagues. And so uh, he asked me back 2006, I guess, actually his daughter wow. asked me to, to write his biography. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then just reading. I worked at USC for a lot of years and I took the train into work. So I just read every day on the train and just plowed through books when I was on the train. Don't read as often now as I'd like. I've got tons of books, you know, a couple of them behind me, but in my office on campus at Cal State Fullerton, which I think I remember how to get there. It's been a little while ago. <laughs> tons of books there. And I've got, I've got them sorted by top shelf is books that I've read once, might not read again, happy mm. to give away if somebody wants it type of thing, liked right. it, but not enough to like make it mine. Then the middle shelf is the books that I've read that I, those are untouchable and you know, those are like precious to me. And then the bottom shelves are the books that I've read that I continue to read. And so right. you know, if somebody walks into my office and sees those bottom two shelves, they know those are like my go-tos. And then I've got my windowsill behind me at work where I've got like the five like principles and I've got, you know, Stephen Covey's seven habits mm. books that I've just digested over the years that, you know, I could quote page and paragraph on a lot. So love to read, right. would love to have time to read more. Um, I thought that with this pandemic, I would do two things that I've not done. I thought I would Netflix binge. <laughs> I binged to the end of Ozark, which was one season because I've seen the first two prior to this. Right. And I thought I'd be reading like crazy. I'm just not. I'm podcasting and doing meetings and in between all of that, getting a chance to spend time with family here, which is, is priceless as well. Yeah. I think reading is one of those things as a leader or just as a, a learner, you know, someone that's going through life that's constantly learning. Yeah. It's just it's so life-giving. Now, to your point, some of the tips and tricks that I've I've realized through, you know, reading as much as I do is, if you get into a book, 10, 15, 20, 30 pages, and you're like, mm, this really isn't resonating with me, just yeah. toss it out, <laughs> you yeah. know, give it to somebody or whatever. I'm a fan um, of like books like, um, sorry, I keep going, but I just, you know. No, no, go ahead. Well, this one, the Servant Leadership that, that uh, Ken Blanchard put together. What I right. love about this book is number one, the, the intro and the ending are written by Ken and every chapter has kind of his thoughts on it but it's written by authors like Brene Brown and Simon Sinek and, and, mm. you know, Jim Collins and others each contributed a chapter or two on this. And it's all basically wow. essays on servant leadership, which is just really cool. But yeah, some of these books, I'll, you know, a lot of these are my wife's. This is her shelf for the most part behind me. Um, but like you, I'll get, I probably hit for every book that I've read cover to cover. There's probably 10 books that I've read the first 10, 15, 20 pages. And then not that I lost interest, but maybe I got interrupted. And then another book, people give me a book and it's like, well, I want to read that. Right. So, yeah. well, sometimes you just don't connect with how the author writes, you know, yeah. it's like, it's hard for you to follow or whatever it is. But, and then there are a handful of books that I've read multiple times, like seven habits, uh, yeah. Stephen Covey, you know, like that is my spirit animal, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's, yeah. that's the book that I give to people. We have all of our teammates at Fratsky media, uh, read that book over time. And we, we check in monthly with them and talk through the concepts and, um, there's just so much there. Um, you know, I, it was one of the first gifts I gave my wife when we were dating and I wrote her a sweet little note in there. I said, somewhere in these pages is the man I want to become, you know, awesome. um, because there's just so much thoughtfulness yeah. um, that goes into that. And so you have some of those books you read multiple times. And then to your point, you have some books you're like, okay, yeah, I got so it. You want it? Yeah. 
And then I've got some. Um, oftentimes, if I find a book that I love so much, what I'll do is I will write in the margin. Like I'm a big writing in the margins in the books, you know, from my yeah. Bible to books that I just read on leadership or business or just life. And what I did, what I've done with a few books is I'll actually put a name of someone that I'm thinking of when I read this chapter or this paragraph even and make sure I order a copy for that person. And there's been a few books where I've ordered like 30 copies because there's just that many people I want to give it to. So come into my office at Cal State, you'll see a couple of books where I've got several copies of it. And and oftentimes somebody say, why do you have 13 copies of halftime? It's like, well, let me tell you what it is. And then if they seem intrigued, I'll say, hey, if you want it, it's yours. Right. And if they're not intrigued, they just, oh, that's nice. And they put it back. Sorry, right, you don't get a copy then because you didn't, you didn't get fascinated by it in the five minutes we talked about. It. You want that, you go buy it. But uh, That's the tough part about gifting books. Yeah, it's got to be something you feel like they're going to read, right? Because yeah. you don't want to just give someone something and, and then it yeah. collects dust. You, know, you, you, want, you want them to get the concepts too. So yeah. I totally understand that. So tell me, dive a little bit more into detail about Frasky Media. I'd love to hear and, and have you share more about you know, the types of clientele, the things you're doing, um, what's the, what, do you, what are you looking for? When do you make that decision to engage or disengage? Often, oftentimes a company will come to you and they make the decision whether or not to engage with you. But I know yeah. you and Lisa and Ryan also have that process of when you choose to engage or not with someone. How does that process work for you? Yeah. Well, uh, that's a great question. I really appreciate you asking it. I'll take a half step back and kind of set the scene a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of pillars that are important to what makes Fratsky Media tick. And that helps us decide that question that you just asked about whether to engage or not, right? So, you know, the first is that we look at ourselves as a digital marketing consultancy. Okay. So a lot of people hear that we're in digital marketing and they go, oh, you're an agency. We, we're not an agency. We don't consider ourselves an agency. We're not saying we're better than an agency, but we are different. And sometimes yeah. different is better. But, you know, it just is, it's a difference of approach. So when you look at it, that old adage of uh, you can catch a fish for somebody and they'll eat for a day. Right. Or you can teach somebody how to fish and they'll eat for a lifetime. We're the teach you how to fish, eat for a lifetime. So that's your definition of the difference between agency, give them a fish. Right. Consultancy, teach them the fish. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's what we've experienced. So that this company was born out of uh, desire to help and understanding that there was a need for what we call a mid-sized business. So this, our whole organization is around helping mid-sized businesses turn digital marketing into their competitive edge. Because what we realized was, is that you have these digital giants, these leaders like Walmart and Nordstrom and, you know, think of another company, Amazon, right? All these people yeah. that have just mastered this digital marketing, how to communicate with people through these online channels. And you have mid-sized businesses. And I think of a lot of the folks that are in the family uh, mm-hmm. center for businesses, yeah. there's that generational, well, this is how we've always done it. And so a lot yeah. of our clients have been around for 20, 30 years. Uh, there's been a changing of the guard of some sort where they're ready to, to look to the future and say, how do we make digital our competitive edge? And so um, kind of coming back to your original question of whether to engage or not, it's are those people, do they have the right mindset? Mm-hmm. You know, are they, do they want to change? Are they we looking are not for an agency a, or consultant also too. Yeah, they're looking for an agency do this work for us. We don't have time. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. Is it, we want to eat right now or do we want yeah. to learn how to fish so we can feed ourselves for a lifetime, right? Yeah. I need and a better so, analogy because I don't like fish. I'm going to have to come up with fish. I understand. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, I got to come up with the, I don't want you to give me a fish or teach me to fish, quite honestly. <laughs> Just keep me yeah. away from the fish. Yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. understand yeah. that. Give me a steak um, or give me a ranch where I can grow my own, you know. Same concept that, you know, where I can teach you how to hunt or I can hunt for you, right? You right. know, so, yeah. um, so we don't, we don't, I mean, if so, if a company comes to us and says, hey, we need uh, this quick content thing or this quick SEO thing or this quick website thing, can you send us a cookie cutter proposal? We don't do that because when you get a cookie cutter p- proposal, you get cookie cutter results, right? We, we always start with an audit and we look at what does the digital landscape look for each individual company? What are their competitors doing? What would it take to truly excel and become a leader in digital marketing? Then we take that and we, we help them craft a strategy around what we call the four P's of transformation. So they're people, they're uh, 
platforms, their processes, and their partners. And we help them understand, okay, where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? What opportunities are there to grow? And then we come alongside them. So that idea of that servant leadership, it's not like, hey, follow me. It's, hey, let's, let's walk together through this path and help you slowly but surely implement transformative change that is going to be sustainable into the future. So it's not a, hey, as long as you pay me, we'll give you results. The second you stop paying me, the, the spigot turns off, right? And you're left yeah. with nothing. It's hopefully by the time you're done working with us, if you ever do decide to, to go separate ways, that you have built a wealth of knowledge, you and your team, that you can take with you and continue to succeed and continue to win. So that's a difference in perspective. But it, it often comes back to your question, Ed, if they're willing to go on that journey, then we want to work with you. Yeah. If you're looking for something else, we'll tell you it's not a good fit. Yeah. I thought of my analogy. You can, you can bring me food or teach me to cook. How's that? So in yeah, this day age of, of you know, quarantine where most of us have food delivered to our porch or we're driving up and ordering curbside. I know we're back in, in restaurants now, but uh, that might work. So no, to your perfect. point, I, I like the light bulb behind your head. And that, to me, Thank what you. that tells me is, you know, we're bringing ideas. We're not, we're not coming in and implementing necessarily, although you guys have the talent and the skill set and the ability to do that. Where you have your home runs probably is where you come in with an idea and then you watch a client take that and implement it. That's, it's kind of like when I teach, you know, on you too, when we teach our kids something and then we see them do it, that's when it's right. just that, that sense of pride in parenting for us comes up. I'm sure in your right. role as well. And I see that too. I mean, I'm, I'm consulting with these family businesses and I'm, I'm not a true consultant in the way that you are, but I, I bring ideas from other people and I have a team. I have a, an advisory board of, of very bright people that really kind of can encircle the entire company with, with ideas and, and insight and wisdom. And to see that company take an idea and implement it and then run with it is, is really rewarding. So yeah, yeah. It really is. And then to get the results, right? Yeah. So Everything that we do here, it, like I said, it starts with audit, then it goes into strategy. Then if, if it calls for it, we'll do that hands-on execution, mm -hmm. right? So when there's a high leverage opportunity, like, hey, the website needs to be rebuilt, we want to do that for you. We want to help you build that digital platform. Um, and then it all comes back to the insights and the data and the analytics. Sure. Right? So making yeah. sure that we're documenting the success. Yeah. And so that's the fun and exciting part. When we... Yeah go through that whole process and we implement something. And then that next month's report, you see the growth and you're like, see, that's what we're going for. And everyone gets excited. And then the next month you see it continuing to grow and everyone's like, oh my goodness, this is working and people get yeah. excited and it continues to grow from there. So oftentimes we'll come in and start in this kind of crawl, walk, run or optimize, grow, lead mindset of like, let's just optimize where you are. Let's get you up to table stakes. Then let's focus in on those high leverage areas to help you grow that competency. And then eventually we can, we can be leaders, right? But mm -hmm. it's not, it's not going to happen overnight. But right. It's going to take time. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it, when I like, I'll do a presentation or work with a client is that so what, okay, we just mm. spent an hour together. We just talked about this. We did that. And it's kind of the, so what, so what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do about it? What did you learn? What are you going to implement? So so let me ask you a question off topic now. I'm just going to dive yep. into, you know, um, off, off the business path here for a second. Not a question I ask everybody. There is a question I'm going to ask you at the end that I ask everyone, and you probably know what's coming in a little bit. But I'm going to ask yeah. you now, um, I, pastor at our church, previous pastor told us, somebody asked him a question, you know, how do I know where I should serve at church? How do I know what area is, is best for me? Or how do I know what foundation to support? We as business leaders and owners, get opportunities. There's people out there, guys, you've talked to Wing Lam and Charles Antis and others who you, I know, you know, you've interviewed them um, yeah. who are doing tremendous things out in the community. There's so many different options for us. And our pastor said, if you really want to know where you should serve, ask yourself one question, what breaks my heart? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that oftentimes will lead you to where you give your time. So I'm going to ask you, James, what breaks your heart? When you think about all those variety of options and places, whether it's within your church or in your community, where you can serve, how do you decide where to serve? Is it based on what breaks your heart or what, what drives you? Because I know you serve tremendously outside of what you do in your job. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, you, I, think you got, I think you got it right. 
you know, it's what you should be serving where it breaks your heart, right? Um, so I think the first thing for me is, is not to be passive. And I think sometimes when you're in a faith-based community and the call is to, hey, make sure you, the, the bin comes around, you're supposed to put your check in and your dollars in it. And now they've made it so easy that you can sign up to an app and just have number. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying don't donate to your local church. If you go to that church and you're a community member there and you benefit from the resources, you know, there, there's a great argument for part for participating in that tithing, right? What my wife and I do is uh, we put aside money every month um, that just comes right off the top that goes into this kind of giving savings account. And it becomes kind of this slush fund for when our heart is broken to take that money and- Someone loses a business in the protest or someone wants a little bit here. Yeah, to to deploy it for all types of reasons. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's really happy, positive things. We've helped support people go on mission trips. We've, you know, helped uh, just get a little gift for somebody to to make their day just a little bit more brighter or something like that. And then sometimes it's really, really hard stuff uh, that breaks our hearts. Like um, some of the the different things, you know, uh, Melinda Gates has a book, um, I think it's called uh, Rising... No, it's called uh, Moment to Lift, Moment to Lift. Um, I'm getting all my books mixed up. But the right. argument that she makes is that, you know, if you lift up women, it lifts up our entire society. Sure. And so, you know, we, uh, my wife and I read through that book and it became very clear, like, okay, this breaks our heart. There were certain things that they mentioned, things going on in Africa and some of these different uh, villages of just uh, that are really unfair that these kids don't have a chance to get out of that system. And so after reading through some of that stuff, it broke our hearts and it became very clear, okay, we want to get involved on that. Um, and it was nice because then we have our fund where we can just take and mm-hmm. say, okay, let's go. And yeah. make donations that to some people might seem overly generous. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, no, no, but it, it, it makes me really proud to be able to say, let's throw a couple thousand dollars at that yeah. and, yeah. you know, and sponsor somebody um, or, or whatever. Right. So, so I think right now, some of the things that, that break my heart, obviously we're taping this right in the middle of um, a pandemic. We're taping this right in the middle of, of a a social, uh, cultural movement of black lives matter and this kind of, um, systemic injustice that's been going on in our world. And I think, um, you you know, pick a topic, all of these things are, are breaking, uh, breaking so many of our hearts. And so I think right now my wife and I are, unfortunately, we don't know what it is yet, but something's coming. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It feels like such unprecedented times, you know, and, and we say that and we think we're settling into it and then something else happens and it gets even more unprecedented. And you're like, how was that even possible? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Um, so those are the things my wife and I are looking at now. Like how can we get involved? Um, understanding, it's not just about putting out a social media post. It's not just about saying we stand with or, and all those things are important, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also about getting involved and actually kind of putting your, your money where your mouth is or your time yeah. where your mouth is. Or, talk, or, as you said for decades yeah. and generations. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Absolutely. I looked at the, um, the pandemic to your point, the pandemic, and as you know, I'm a big sports fan. I've already alluded to it on this conversation, but, you know, the NBA of, of one of the many leagues out there professionally and other levels basically paused their seasons because of the pandemic. But now really the bigger issue of coming back has more to do with the social unrest that you're, that we've talked about. I know the NBA players yeah. met last Thursday or Friday on a conference call to talk about what their plans are for coming back. And from what I hear and what I read, it has more to do with the social unrest of the, you know, Black Lives Matter and what's happening in, in, in that movement more so than the health and safety. The health and safety of themselves and their families is a big topic. It's huge. Right. But there's more than one issue now that's really tying together. And, and then there's these issues of, well, you know, we're supposed to stay quarantined or now we can start going outside to stay six feet away and wear a mask. And then you have protesters out there not six feet away, nor are they wearing a mask. And so then we worry. So there's so many different things that, that tie in. And and yeah, yeah, for me, my heart breaks when I look at, you know, people who are losing loved ones and what really breaks my heart there. And I don't know that there's anything that I can necessarily do about it is you lose a loved one, but you can't celebrate their life or you can't be with them in their final days because of this. Pain. Right. And then I look at, you know, I have 
very close friends. I grew up just down the street from where you're sitting now in Fullerton and um, went to Fullerton High School. And, you know, my dad still lives there. My wife's mom still lives in Fullerton. Um, we were not a very mixed community in Fullerton in the 80s when I was in high school. A couple right. of my best friends were black and one of my closest friends today is. And, um, but I've never really seen them as a, seen it as a black and white uh, thing at all. It's just, these are just guys that I'm just buddies with, I played sports with and we're friends with. But now when I step back and I've had conversations with most of those guys through this unrest, um, my first inclination is to apologize. Hey, if I've ever said or done anything that's led you to believe that I see you differently because of your skin color. First of all, let me apologize because I've never had that conscious thought. Um, but more so, I want to apologize on behalf of anybody that's treated you unfairly. You know, and I want to stand there with you and say, hey, yeah, your life matters as much as anybody else. And it's just tough. It's a tough, tough time that we're in. I mean, I, I, I'm excited for the opportunity for us to break our foundations and rebuild and maybe build a stronger foundation in those areas but I'm also saddened right. that we have to do that. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, where we live and work, where, you know, the, the, the um, diversity is so strong. You know, look at Cal State Fullerton, more than 50% of our student body didn't grow up even on this continent, you right. know? So it's, yeah. it's much different than when I was in Fullerton. Sure. Well, I think, you know, it's kind of circling back to Brene Brown, which I know we both really yeah, appreciate and admire and respect her. Um, you know, one well, of the lobbying lessons, a little to get her on our podcast too. So. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just say as many nice things about her there you as go. possible. And if you get her before uh, I do, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Well, then I'll, and we can share. That's yeah. fine. Doesn't, doesn't do anything to, uh, okay. but at any rate, um, you know, one of the things that she taught me in her book, not personally, but is when you hear something that's not right, you should say it. I mean, and, and what we want to, as humans, just kind of bite our tongues and okay, we want to be politically correct. And, and you know, but if, if something comes across your ears that you think, oh, okay, that might be racist or that might not be fair or whatever, yeah. you should say something. Right. And that's not easy and it's not comfortable. And man, I have found myself in plenty <laughs> of awkward yeah. uh, conversations um, because of it. But at least people know where you stand. And it's kind of like that Hamilton, I'm going to butch the quote, but, <laughs> but, you know, he says to Burr, like, hey, if you don't stand for anything or, you know, then you don't stand for something stand for nothing. or anything type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, that's so powerful. And I think that's kind of where we are now as a culture and a society is like, okay, it's okay to say things are wrong. You know, yes, it might. Um, might not be comfortable. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable, but, you know, this is kind of where we are. And I think that that's it's interesting. Again, unprecedented times to see where this all goes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, a, it's a topic that's not going to go away anytime soon. It's not going to get solved overnight. Um, whether or not the, the method that some people are choosing to, to protest is, is right or wrong is not really even enough for me to say. I've got my opinion like you do. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't fully grasp um, the anger and the hurt that others might feel because I've, I'm, I'm the problem, not me at heart, but you know, my generation and, you know, sure. it's, it's definitely my generation and background that has created a lot of these problems that, that a lot of people feel oppressed and, and um, discriminated against at this point. But I just hope and pray that we can, you know, like you said, that, that you, James and me, Ed, that we can stand up for it. And if we see something not, you know, going awry that we, that we do stand up and say something and defend uh, those that, that need it. Um, yeah. What, what's next for, for Fratsky Media? What's the big goal out there? I know you guys are in your what, early 30s, right? And so you've yeah. got your whole career and business out there. Um, yeah. You've talked about where you both have worked and what you've done. Yeah. When you think about 5, 10, 15, even 20 years down the road and you have those conversations, what, what can you share? Probably yeah. can't, but are, are there things? <laughs> well, yeah, I'd have to get you to sign an NDA. No, yeah, yeah there's um, the electronic NDA right here on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Ed. You have to sign an NDA before you can continue. Yeah, that. before you can listen. It's 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 going to get really sticky and sloppy. Yeah. Maybe we'll just, I'll just share and we we'll won't edit do that. Out the stuff uh, you want to share. Yeah, um, that's a great question. You know, we're a first generation family owned business. Right. You know, Ryan and I and, and Lisa were, you know, this is, we started it and now we're doing it. So 20 years from now, I mean, wow, how cool would it be if we became a second generational 
yeah. family business. Um, I think that anyone that's listening to this podcast right now that has started their own business, maybe they're at the beginning, maybe they're passing it down to another generation. If there's people from the, the center, obviously they're in that situation. That's one of the things you help with is that sure. transition. Um, it's, it's something special, you know, and um, when you start your own business and it goes well, like it's been going for us, uh, you say to yourself, man, I am never going to make another resume my entire life yeah, because yeah, this is it. Say, yeah. This is yeah. my life now. Yeah. I work Not for myself. Rainbow now. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that those are kind of more at a philosophical level. It's like getting to a place, growing it to a place where we can invite our kids into it. Um, that would be really special. You know, um, my dad owned his own business for 10 years. My grandma owned her own business. Uh, we just, it's been in our blood. And so I sure. think that that's something that we want to continue. Strategically speaking, um, as far as is where we want to go, we want to continue to kind of help uh, teach people. Uh, you know, I think that's something that's very important to us. And so whether that's a digital marketing or it's how to build a team internally that, um, you know, can strive in this kind of digital age, all of those things. I think we see ourselves playing in a couple of different areas within an organization in order to kind of help them not only survive, but thrive in this, this new digital age. So that can be through very tactical things like your website, but it could also be through very strategic things like our four P's uh, framework where we're helping build out the right people, putting in the right processes, bring in the right partners, build out the, the right platforms. And so I see us continuing to grow into that space. Um, and, you know, hopefully just continuing to grow the team, get bigger office space, you know, all the, uh, sure. all the, the, the growth concepts and ideas that people, yeah, have. those concepts, you know, yeah. awesome. Take you back just quickly back to Cal state Fullerton a little bit. I know you guys both yeah. went there. That's how we met was through our, your affiliation there as well. Any, like if, if I did a word association with you, which I won't, but if I did theoretically and I just said <laughs> Cal State Fullerton, you know, what comes to mind? What, what types of experiences? What, are, is there anything that really stands out to you about your time there? Um, how it shaped you? How it kind of molded you into where you are today? And just anything jump out at you at all when you think about your experience there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for all people have gone through the college process, you take a lot more classes than it seems like you probably need to. Sure. <laughs> I, mean, like, I really need taking like history five, rock and uh, roll, yeah. you know, yeah. but, but I think again, for folks that maybe are a little further removed from it, like I am at this point in my life, there are those kind of tentpole professors that stand out to you that you still think about to this day. And if you're lucky enough to develop a relationship with them outside of, of college, um, you know, they're just influential. So I can think of five or six uh, professors. Feel free if you want to name any. And I'm going to name them right now. Awesome. Yeah, I was Good. thinking that I was, I think I might do that. Hey, well, um, right? Yeah, so Susan Cadwadler, she was our, uh, our our marketing capstone teacher. Her office that is class, right next door to mine. Yeah, that class was designed for Ryan and I. We took all the same classes together, by the way, in college. There was a twin discount. Everything was half off. Um, <laughs> nice, I like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that class was designed for us. It was strategy. It was sharing your thoughts and, you know, and being articulate. Um, Catherine Atwong, Dr. Catherine Atwong, another marketing professor, great, great teacher. Um, Stephen Chin, another great professor. Um, so yeah, so those are some of the folks that really, you know, you just look back at uh, I think of all of the things that we learned, we kind of, we were marketing majors and we kind of one off took a, entrepreneurial marketing class because you know that seemed like fun and it was getting towards the end of our career and so yeah. uh you know professor jackson jj there i mean we learned so much in that class that was fundamental to what we're doing today but also just kind of wow it's like that hands-on learning that you, you know it's nice to go through a textbook and to kind of get concepts but the nice thing about that particular class was you did it you were yeah, consultants, you were, every day as well. you know, and so, so yeah, I mean, those are the things that really stand out to me. Um, you know, we did our commencement speech when we graduated. That was obviously really special, mm -hmm. but I think it's the bonds and the relationships that we've created post with some of these people that we've respected yeah, when we were there. You're involved in university now, big time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so just kind of being involved and, 
uh, through the executive council and, and, and so many great people there that are just so passionate about being part of the school, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years after they've graduated, being part of the, the family business center, um, just those, those relationships, being able to send out an email to a professor and say, hey, we need a, uh, an entry level role for this or an entry level role for this. And, and they send it out and everybody gets it. And, you know, it's, you know, it's just those kind of those deep ties that, that mean the most to me. Yeah. What suggestions do you have for people who might be watching this who don't have a tie back to where they went to school? Or what would be a step you would recommend? Let's say someone graduated from another university 30 years ago and was kind of thinking, you know, how do I get involved? What, what, what advice would you give there? Well, I think it's like what we talked about a little bit earlier. Like it's got to be something that's on your heart. Mm -hmm. um, it's got to be something that you have something to give. Now, here's the nice thing is we all have something to give. So it's kind of finding what is that thing that I have to give. Some people, it might be monetary. Some people, it might be time. It might be experience. So I think just, you know, if we're specifically talking to the school thing, try to maybe get into a program that allows you to mentor students or different things like that, because that will kind of ground you in, oh, okay, wow, I have something to give this generation yeah. that's two or three generations behind me. And then I think that opens the door. And then you start to see some of the inner workings and what are how the their needs maybe as well. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Let me ask you a question I ask a lot of my guests. Um, is there a challenge that you've faced? Let's just, it could be personal or professional. Any kind of challenge, and I don't know about this. I don't know enough about your background to know if there is something big and major, so I'm not trying to lead you anywhere. Um, yeah. that, that you can go back to in your life that really shaped you into who you are today. So that's, and I asked a lot of two-part questions. So part one, is there a challenge? And if so, part two of that is, was there someone, and if you wanted to name who it is or what you learned from that person that really led you through that? A lot of people who, we all have challenges. Somebody once said that there's two types of people in the world, those that are currently in a major challenge and those that are about to be. And right. so I ask this question often because oftentimes the answer can be something that can help somebody else either in a challenge they've had that they haven't really sorted out yet or in the one that's coming. Yeah. Anything come to mind for you and how did you get through it? What kind of assistance did you get? Yeah. That is a good question. And I got a couple of different directions that I could take that. <laughs> platform you go where you want to go. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that when I got to the point of feeling like I was on a hamster wheel mm -hmm. in corporate America and feeling like I was learning a lot and that was really beneficial, but I felt like I had more to give. Um, you start to get that seed in your head about, okay, what would it look like to start my own business? What would it look like to, um, to do something new? You have the security of a paycheck. You have some fixings of, uh, or trappings of traveling a lot for work. And that's kind of cool and fun to go do all those things. And so the challenge that I kind of faced, you know, four years ago was, um, do I want to keep building my career and doing the right thing, or do I want to do the right thing for me, which is stepping away from it and jumping headfirst into building this new company that ended up becoming Fratsky Media. Right. Um, so that was a kind of a challenge that I faced. And it's interesting because you have people that love you and care for you and respect you and have been there for you your entire life that are telling you, don't leave, <laughs> stay. Don't look best for you, sure. You know, uh, you know, my dad is an example of somebody who did not graduate college. And so, you know, he always worked really hard. He had a landscape business. It was a lot of manual labor. And the idea of me starting my own business, he was kind of like, well, don't do what I did. That was so much work. It was so hard. You're, you're doing this corporate thing. Keep doing that. Like he was always so proud of that. Sure. And so you had people that you really respected that kind of spoke against it, right? Um, so the person that really helped me out and not to sound too touchy-feely here, but it's, uh, it was my then girlfriend, now wife, mm -hmm, sure. uh, who we were driving down the 57, um, actually getting off at Chapman right there by Cal State Fullerton and coming off the off-ramp. And she said to me, tell me something that you've never told anybody before. Hmm. And at this point, I'd kind of, <laughs> what's that? That could be dangerous. 
I love you. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that hadn't happened yet. Um, but, but it did eventually in this timeline, but, 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 you know, at this point I had kind of started to internalize my plans for leaving because every time I went out to talk to somebody about it, they kind of said, Oh, you shouldn't do that. And so it'd been something I've been kicking around for about a year and a half. And so at this point I knew I was leaving. And so when she said, tell me something you never told anyone before, I said, I think I'm going to leave my job and, and start my own business. And I expected her to run away after that. Right. But luckily the car was moving, so she couldn't, yeah, she couldn't door, jump but, out. Yeah. But, um, but it was kind of a scary thought, you know, and this was before I read Brene Brown. So I didn't know that I was being vulnerable and I didn't know yeah. that I was having a vulnerability hangover afterwards. Right. Um, but she was so supportive and she was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. You should totally do that. Yeah. And there was just something about this person supporting me that just believed in me that made it so much easier. And then there were a lot of challenges after that and leaving sure. a company and all those things is never easy. But, but yeah, I think that's the story that jumped to mind. Yeah. Did you and Ryan come to the conclusion simultaneously or how close did you come to making the decision together to start Fratsky Media? Yeah. Yeah. So here's a good family story for that is that um, we came to the decision simultaneously in that we both knew we wanted to do something together. We wanted to work together um, and we wanted to work for ourselves. Now at this point in the story, Ryan's got a, a baby on the way, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so Making you come to those a little bit tougher. Yeah. It changes things a little bit. So yeah. the, kind of the plan was I would set out and, and carve the way and that when the time was right, he would leave. Well, the story goes that him and his wife and their uh, daughter, uh, Liana, went on vacation to Hawaii. And uh, that was when that whole missile crisis, fake, like there was that uh, notice that went out that said, hey, there is a ballistic missile coming to Hawaii. Right. This is not a drill. And yeah. I just remember being on the phone with him, trying to figure out what the heck was going on and how scared he was yeah. that that was going to be his final moments there with his daughter and his wife. I get emotional just thinking about it. Yeah. So at that time, then he came back uh, and quit his job and joined the company because it was like this kind of aha yeah. God moment of like, hey, this is the time, do it. And, uh, and that's how him and I started working together. And then, um, you know, the rest was history. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what a lot of this pandemic has done too, is it's going back to Covey, if you've read Seven Habits like you have, you know his whole yeah. discussion on putting first things first. And you've, I'm sure, seen the video of the woman up on stage who has to take the bucket of sand and pebbles and the bucket of rocks and put it all yes. two buckets into one. And I think what it's done for me, and I'm leading to a question for you before I ask the final question of the interview here, for me, what it's done, and I've heard a lot of people say this as well, is it's helped me prioritize the most important things. Um, like we joked about before we hit record earlier this morning, we're, we're not commuting. We're not driving so many hours per day. For me, I, I live 19 miles from Cal State Fullerton campus, which means it takes me about an hour. Kind of right. sad when I talk to people around the country. Yeah. It, it takes you 60 minutes to go 19 miles. You need to move here. Like, it would take me four days to get here. But, uh, you know, so, you know we, we, we focus on the things that matter the most in times like this. And so when Ryan and his, and his family were facing mortality, you know, potential issues of that missile really yeah. hit like we were hearing. Yeah. Where do, what do you want to do? It, it helps us prioritize what are the most important things. What big takeaway have you gotten out of these last three months? We've been, this is week 14 as we record of this, yeah. you know, stay at home in the state of California anyway. It's been 14 weeks. Um, any big takeaways that you've learned either about James or about your company or about life that you hope you remember when you look back on this in 10 years? Man, I learned this mm -hmm. lesson. I sure hope I still hang on to this lesson then. Yeah. 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 Well, from a company standpoint, I think it's, it's helped put things in perspective that we're on the right path, you know, because sometimes when there's so much noise, it's hard to, to see clearly. Yeah. The amount of noise has kind of been, zeroed in right yeah and so you're able to, to kind of see things more clearly uh than maybe you were when there was so much going on in that same way i feel like those are the lessons that i'm learning as a human in my relationships with my family with my business partners with my wife of all of this other stuff that seemed important <laughs> is really not that yeah. important you know yeah. for instance uh, a, a personal example my wife and i 
probably like a lot of husband, husband and wives, um, try to do date night once a month or once every couple of weeks or whatever. And for us, date night was going out and getting dinner and getting dressed up. And it, it had to hit certain criteria to categorize as a date night and not just wasn't drive to McDonald's and come back and eat on the way back home. That's not right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and now date night is one of us cooks dinner for the other person. We stand around the Island in our kitchen. Uh, we make some old fashions and we talk. Good choice. (laughs) And we spend time together. Yes. I know you're a fan. I've, I've, I've seen you drink one or two, uh, at some of our social outings. Uh, Sorry. My bad. No, I'm Um, a fan. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, but we talk and we spend hours just talking and it's like, wow, we want to take that. We've totally redefined what date night is. It's just spending intentional time together. Um, and so I've learned that lesson in so many different ways, whether it's working out at the gym. Wow. The gym's not that important. Getting out and doing yeah, is most aren't open, although they are now. But yeah. Yeah. Or, or watching TV versus reading. Let me pick up that book. Like all those things that seemed important have dropped off and it's, brought so much clarity to what really brings me joy, what really gives me life and how I want to spend the rest of my life. So my hope is I'm one of those people that comes out of this and goes, man, I hope the new normal is I take some of those things that I, I started to develop with me because man, I, I enjoyed the intimacy of, of being closer to people, of spending less time on the internet, more time face to face with my wife or these zoom calls with, yeah. you know, I'm talking to people that I don't, typically get to talk to right, me too. because the barriers to entry are so much lower now. So it's, it's been a positive experience from that perspective. It's been easier to get on people's calendars too. Some of the podcast yeah. interviews I know you've done and some that I've done are people I never really would have had a chance to interview because you know, half our day is commuting like we talked about. And so, yeah, you can talk to me on the phone while I'm driving, but that's not really a podcast interview. You know, that's just a conversation right. about whatever. Yeah, and for me, the answer for me, since you didn't ask, I'll tell you anyway. Hey, um, uh, Ed, what? How would you answer that question? Oh, this is a precursor to our Friday to our interview and me when we flip, <laughs> when we flip the script. Sports. My mm. my one word answer to that is sports. As I've I've alluded to that already in this conversation quite a few times. I'm a big sports fan. I've already mentioned my allegiances and who I really enjoy watching. Um, and my wife will be the first one to tell you too, and others around me that my moods can be based on how my Dodgers do or my Lakers do or my USC yeah. football team does or as Tiger in the lead or, you know, these are basically my four things. My daughter has always said, you're not really a sports fan. You're a fan of four, you know, those four that I just mentioned. Right. And it's true. If it's not the Dodgers, I'm probably not watching. If it's not the Lakers and so forth, I'm probably not watching. Um, so what I hope is that since sports isn't a priority at all now because it's not existing right now, Um, that I will be a little bit more balanced when it comes to Mm. not letting how my team does influence me. Not, you know, my wife and I had just this conversation, you know, I hate Celtics fans because I'm a Lakers fan. You know, I don't hate the people. I've got family and and relatives that are in Boston that I love dearly that are Celtics fans. I just don't like their team very much. But, you know, so that's a a very non-important or unimportant answer to that question is, you know, the sports side of it. But again, for me, it's just, I, I hope that I can stay as focused on my work and my family. And when I'm with my family, I'm focused on the family. And when I'm with my work, I'm focused on my work. And really, you know, because like, you know, we're going to hang up here in a minute or hang up or disconnect or whatever you call it when you log out, I guess, of a Zoom right. call the recording. And I'm going to, you know, download this and save it and post it and so forth. And I'm going to have lunch with friends on Zoom. And then I'm going to be spending time with Lorianne. And then you know, and so there's just, we say, I'm segmenting my time, I think, better now than I ever have. And so yes. I hope that I can continue to, to bring that with me. So how do we reach you? How does somebody watching or listening today and they are, whether it's a startup company or a Disney or a Walmart or an Amazon or anybody in between who's looking yeah. for that light bulb that's behind your head there that needs the next idea or the assistance and the guidance, how do they reach you? Yeah. Thanks for asking. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, the best place to get in contact with us is at our website, fratskimedia.com, F-R-A-T-Z as in zebra, K-E, media.com. Um, and of course, you can follow us on social media, that same name, um, or connect with us on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, my final question, 
And I ask this of all of my guests because the name of the podcast is From the Heart. Yes. James Frasky, what's in your heart? Mm. You know, it's kind of um, it's kind of a scary question, Ed. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, I think I what my heart always comes back to is teaching people and and coming alongside people and that's what I enjoy doing the most. You know, I, I just so happen to teach digital marketing, you know, but just being human and, and interacting with people and seeing growth and being part of that, whether it's as a coach or a teammate or, or whatever, um, that's what makes my heart sing. That's what I really love doing. And so it's a blessing that we get to do that as a family owned business here in Orange County and, help businesses not only here locally, but across the country, um, you know, transform. And there's just some joy that I get out of being part of that. I don't, and I don't need credit for it. I just like being there. And so I think that's a long way of answering your question, but yeah, being a teacher, that's what's on my heart. 